Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today, we have Leo Severino, who is one of the producers from the upcoming movie Cabrini that is going to be coming out on March 8th, International Women's Day. And so before we join Leo calling in from Los Angeles, we are going to hear from Daniel Campbell, and he is going to give us a quick tip on how we can do better and strive better during this Lenten season. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Daniel Campbell, director of the Lay Division at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary for the Archdiocese of Denver, where we offer all sorts of classes for you, the lay faithful. As we continue talking about fasting here, I would certainly encourage you to build the weekly habit of fasting during this Lenten season. We're only obliged by canon law to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but the lives of the saints tell us that fasting should be a much more regular part of our lives, weekly, ideally. So during this Lenten season now, work to build that habit. But what if you can't fast? At least not as you would like to. What if you're too young or struggle with fasting being elderly or are pregnant or a nursing mother sick in bed? There's all sorts of reasons why you may not be able to fast, at least not as you would like to. In this case, consider broadening your idea of fasting. If you're physically unable to fast from food for genuine reason, then fast, so to speak, from something else. Give up something else. Fast from getting the last word in when arguing with your spouse or children. Fast from social media once a week. Fast from crude language. Fast from hitting snooze in the morning so that you can make sure you wake up in time to say your morning prayers. Yes, fasting in the strict sense does pertain to food, and it is important to moderate that food intake and not worship the God of the belly, as St. Paul calls it. It's also true that the norms on fasting apply to those 18 until aged 59, So there are those who fall outside the obligations to fast, while there's also any number of reasons why those even between 18 and 59 may not be able to physically fast. Pregnancy, health conditions, and so forth. But that doesn't mean you can't substitute some other sort of mortification in its place to at least keep the spirit of fasting, if you will. If you'd like to read, watch, listen to more about the Lenten season, check out our website at sjvlaydivision.org. And I hope you have a blessed Lenten season. Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today, we have Leo Severino. I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kristalina. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all your good work. So if you are not familiar, all my listeners out there, he is the producer and screenwriter of the film Bella. And I'm sure that rings a bell for a lot of you out there. And that was a phenomenal film. I mean, it was just it it touched the lives and the hearts of so many people. What was it like working on that film and then just seeing the response? Oh, for Bella, it was beautiful. It was our first uh really foray into independent filmmaking. Uh, you know, my background was I was an attorney at 20th Century Fox. And at the time I was at the, going through a bit of a conversion. And as much as I was uh, trying to take my faith seriously and then realized I couldn't do both at the same time, at least in the way that I thought um, would have, it would leave me with a clear conscience. And so a couple of buddies, Alejandro Monteverde, our director and writer, and Eduardo Verastegui, our producer, um, and an incredible partner. We decided to start a film company, Metanoia Films, um, with the thought of, you know, trying to light a candle in, in all the darkness out there. And our first little attempt at that was Bella. Uh, and it's weird because that was like 18 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty insane that it's been that long. We've had a, a few films since then. Uh, but, you know, Bella's special. We always, uh, you know, our hope with that film was that... Um, we can inspire people to choose life, and it turned out to be the case. So it's very humbling to to know that. It's unbelievable what a strong driving force our conscience can be in our life, right? And I'm mm. finding that more and more, and what a weapon it is against the darkness and the evil out there. And that if we would just kind of 
not too much of a harsh word. I don't want to say it, but if we would just comply with what God is asking and what we know in our heart we're being called to do, there is such great fruit out of our obedience like Bella, right? And it literally is something that touched the hearts and minds of people all over the world. And so our obedience to our conscience is so crucial, it seems like, because (laughs) with that obedience comes sometimes great suffering, but also there's great fruit from it that that really is not just for us, but it's for all of God's people, right? And even the people that God still wants to reach in that darkness, right? So it's just been so fruitful, everything that you've done. Um, and the movie that we are talking about today is the upcoming film, Cabrini. And I but, have but to Christalina, tell you- before, before we get into that, I want to hear your thoughts on it for sure, but how special it is to be on a second- question of an interview after doing all this press and it's about a properly formed conscience and following <laughs> where where God leads to you. All right. That's very rare. Very rare. And I very much appreciate it. So God bless you for that. No, we're all about Jesus here. Okay. We're all about Jesus, God's will, the Trinity, and and becoming the person God has called you to be, Leo. And that's what you did. You kind of just stepped away from the world. And I have such respect for you for that because it's not easy because it lures us in so many ways, right? And it's so easy just to compromise. And there was a point in your life you're like, I can't. I'm not. You actually like made a decision to say, I'm not going to compromise anymore. And I need to do the will of God. And you have become a powerhouse in that. And he has really blessed you. And I really commend you for that because it's not easy and especially being submerged in Hollywood and seeing everything going on there and kind of fighting and being countercultural is difficult. I mean, you're on the front lines there. So much respect yeah. on this end because it's it's not easy what you're doing. And I consider you a downright warrior with what you're doing because mm-hmm. not Thanks a lot again. of people could do that, I will say. So it's well, pretty amazing. You. I wish I could uh Take credit for it. Um, in fact, in my in my less good moments, I do take credit for it. Yeah, I, I decided to do this and that, but it wasn't. No, it was it was this compelling kind of clarity that uh, you know I, I think it was a grace. Uh, I have no doubt it was a grace that's somewhat supernatural because right from the eyes of the world, you're in a position where you kind of have everything you want. You're, you're getting a certain success. You're getting money. You're in this industry that's very glamorous and and whatnot and um, to, to uh, the great credit, for example, of Eduardo Verastegui, who at the same time was going through the same stuff. I mean, he gave up so much more. He was literally in the spotlight, millions of dollars, all these incredible offers uh, coming for him to be series regulars and all these shows and all these films. And same with our director, Alejandro. He's coming out of film school, was so coveted, had won more awards than any student in the history of the University of Texas Film School. Wow. And had all these offers coming to him. And so I think it was just this beautiful moment of grace where the three of us were like, you know what, maybe, maybe there's something more. And then I think God gave us that clarity to say yes and, and the will to do it. And since then, you know, we had not only Bella, we followed up with Little Boy, which by the way, is one of my favorite films that we've done. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, not as well known as the others, but I love it so much. And then Sound of Freedom kind of made mm. everything a little, a little bit more different for us. <laughs> and now we have Cabrini. So, so far God keeps opening the doors for us to keep making films and we want to keep uh, doing that if it's his will. I'm going to have a movie night Friday and it's going to be Little Boy and we're going to have a great time in my house watching it because <laughs> I have Beautiful. not seen that. So that'll be fun. And I love that God gave you comrades, right? He always gives us people and surrounds us and he knows what we need in the moment, especially if we're in fierce battles. He ge- always will give us what we need. It may not be what we want and sometimes it is, but I love that he gave you comrades to go through the fire with you and to go through the same exact thing. I think that's beautiful. And God will always supply what we need. That was great. That was, that was the prayer. In fact, Eduardo at the time, he was thinking of leaving everything and going to the jungles of Brazil to help the poor. Cause he saw a documentary on that and he's like, I need some cleansing. I'm going to go do that. And he talked to a priest friend of his and he said, father, listen, I, I feel like I'm alone here. I feel like I'm, I'm swimming with a bunch of sharks mm-hmm. and I have a little knife. Maybe I can stab one in the nose, but that'll be it. I'm going to get swallowed alive. And he said, I need to flee the jungles. Uh, uh, I need to flee to the, to the jungles of, of Brazil so I can just separate myself from this. And the priest said, well, you know what? I think Hollywood's a bigger jungle. Oh. And he said, he said, say a prayer that um, 
you know, instead of fleeing from the sharks, instead of swimming away from the sharks or trying to fight one or two, it's like, pray that God sends you a, a submarine with a bunch of dudes on it so that you guys can navigate these waters. <laughs> I love it. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. So let's talk about your new film. I I have to say much love for it because I already saw it, a private screening of it. And I walked away so uplifted, so empowered. And I just want to let the world know you've got to go see this movie. And I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing the producer. I am not genuinely mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. And it really just touched my heart. But it also gave me this like it kind of refortified me in it doesn't matter who's coming against you, what is happening around you or how bad a situation gets. That If you're in the grace of God and you just keep walking in his will, he's going to protect you. He's going to guide you and he's going to give you everything you need. And I did not realize I have to say what a powerhouse Mother Cabrini was and you put her in a whole new light and genre for me and I think you will for a lot of women. That's the hope. That's the prayer. In fact, you you weren't alone. You aren't alone, I should say. Um, when the executive producer Eustace Wolfington, he, it's been on his heart to make this film for a very long time. He has this incredible devotion to her. He is the gentleman who actually invented the concept of car leasing that didn't exist. He came up with it. We should you should lease cars and. Now it's the number one way that cars are exchanged between manufacturers and consumers. And he came up with that concept and almost went broke doing it. Um, it couldn't get the financing, couldn't get anyone to believe in, 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 this, in this mission of his and this project of his to, uh, to bring this, uh, this new model to, to the auto industry. And then he, uh, he was at the point of no return, kind of the last stop. There was a bank that was going to finance him and they decided not to. So he's driving home and he, he drives to a chapel. And he prays, and there's a statue of Mother Cabrini, which led to finding out about her, led to finding out, to doing this novena to Mother Cabrini, and he realized she never took no for an answer. So he drove back to that bank, wouldn't take no for an answer. They said yes, and now the industry was changed decades later because of that meeting. So he, he, she's, you know, she's a make-it-go person, and he, he wanted to make things happen in the world, and he did. So he, he, he credits her intercession. So he called me, and he said, I want to make this film about Mother Cabrini. And I said, Mother who? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And he said, Mother Cabrini, she's the first American saint. And I said, no, no, the first American saint is Elizabeth Ann Seton. We all know this. She said, no, that's the first naturally born American saint. But actually the first canonized saint who is an American is Mother Cabrini. She she became a a citizen uh, at the turn of the century after she immigrated here. And I said, okay, well, uh, it's a film about a 19th century nun who no one knows. Uh, let's do that film, but let's call it Box Office Poison. Um, that, that, that way we know what we're doing and we're, we're clear honest. to the audience. Yeah, yeah, I'm being honest with you. And he basically said, you have little faith. He sent me a couple of books to read on her life. And then I was blown away. I couldn't believe her story and what an incredible underdog story it is. And just like you said, her her determination, but it wasn't a determination based in the ego or just in the will. No. It was a determination based in this profound belief in what God was calling her to do and his profound love for the plight of the underdog, of the poor, of uh, those without dignity. It's just an incredible story of, of achievement. Uh, so I'm so I'm so grateful that it resonated with you. I didn't realize she had such grit. I love yeah. that about her. And I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and we would always take field trips growing up in my Catholic school up to Mother Cabrini Shrine. It was a staple every year. And I always would go up there and I loved it because it's not that far from the city, right? In Golden. And we would go up there and we'd have mass there. We see her statue and we would go drink the water, the miracle of the water and all of it. But she never actually came alive for me until I saw this movie years later. My gosh, mm. like years later. And she is such a driving force. But how you kind of just the film kind of played out and the, the storyline, which is her story, but how you did it. Who came up with that concept and idea? Well, it was uh, mostly the writer, Rod Barr. Uh, what happened was when Eustace convinced me that we needed to make this film, I reached out to our writer, who is um, the same writer that did, he, he worked on us with the little boy, he did Sound of Freedom, and then Cabrini, and also our next film, I mean, he, he, hopefully he's with us forever. And he, he, what he did was, Eustace had him read 26 books on Mother Cabrini's life, 
Then they went to Codogno, her original convent, and looked at all of her the archives there. Then wow. they went to the Vatican, and and studied all of her uh, all the archives on Cabrini there, including uh, her uh, her case for canonization, the Devil's Advocate, all that sort of stuff. Then they came to the U.S., followed her footsteps from New York to Chicago to uh, Denver, uh, Golden, and then to L.A. and hit all of her shrines. And then after all that, Yusuf said, "You are now ready to write this book." or this script. And so, um, Rod came up with, with kind of, let's, let's make it about, let's make it an origin story. How did mother Cabrini become what she actually, uh, when you know her story, all that she accomplished, how did that start? And that was kind of the genesis of the idea for the story. Again, we are talking with Leo Severino about his new upcoming film, Cabrini. And again, if you're just tuning in, I have seen this movie and it was phenomenal. And again, I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing Leo. It really touched my heart. And I walked away from that movie changed. And mm. I have a whole new outlook on Mother Cabrini. And these powerhouse women that are saints that I feel like God is bringing back to us and our generation to help us out with things that are going on right now. Because a lot of the things that seem like that were going on back then and the demons that she had to face, we're fighting those same demons just in a different form, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. No, it's all it's all the same characters. They've been around since forever. Um, uh, but you know, it's it, it, you said something here that really struck me, right? You said that you 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 walked away kind of transformed after the film. You have you have this uh, show, Women Made New, and I, I feel inadequate being a man talking about <laughs> women made new, but. This is the way God willed because he put it on our heart to make this film about this amazing woman. Um, and so I think what we've stumbled upon here is this first American saint could really in many ways could be an incredible role model for women in America today. Because what she was dealing with, like you said, it's it's ever new. It's the same uh, struggles that, that, that women have. Um, but in her case, it was heightened. It was heightened in a certain sense because there was such an anti-Catholic sentiment at the time in New York, there was a, such an anti and, and you know, nothing uh, kind of embodies uh, Catholicism more than a, than a woman walking around in a habit, you know, uh, especially Mother Cabrini, who was unapologetic about it. And then at the same time, there was an anti-immigrant sentiment because of, uh, of there was people don't know this, but there was uh, an incredible anti-Italian um, movement in, in New York. So it's anti-woman, anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant, kind of anti-everything. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if for the women out there, if there's, if there's, if you feel this kind of antagonism in your life from different sectors, believe me, Mother Cabrini felt that and she felt that at a heightened level and found a way with, with grace and beauty and dignity and truth to use that, her femininity in an authentic way to overcome these obstacles. Um, so I, I think there couldn't be a better role model for women right now. I love the fact that she was just, she was so beat down and she kept getting beat down, beat down. And the devil's almost like, well, you stay down. And it was harder and harder each time and each blow that she took. If it wasn't from either buildings getting just burned up that she was trying to build or their living, where their living situation or just being kicked out of certain places and just feeling unwanted and set up and, um, what she was doing being so compromised by the attacks of others around her that she just kept getting up and she showed up to her fight. And Leo, every time I get on this microphone and I talk to women, I always say, you need to show up to your fight. You can get knocked down, but you need to get back up. And that's not just for women. That is for men. That is for priests. That is for all of us that we're going to get knocked down and it's going to be hard because our day in, day out, daily lives are a spiritual battle. We wake up and we walk into a spiritual battle and people don't realize that reality around them, but it truly is. And I think in this time, even of Lent, that we're all going through of really having to step back and reevaluate our lives. And I think it's beautiful that Lent really is almost permission in the church and from God to be like, okay, let's reset. 
It's time to yeah. reset your life. It's time to reevaluate, take that spiritual inventory and really look at where you're at and where the trajectory of your life is going. And are you in alignment with me? Are you becoming the person I've called and created you to be? And a lot of the times people are going to say no, and they're scared to do that. They're scared to look at themselves. They're scared to take that spiritual inventory. But if we do, Leo, and I even see it in you, the the force that you can be become to be reckoned with in this world and this darkness and the fight that you can actually win in their small battles and sometimes they're big battles, but we have to go through. And if we don't equip ourselves with that grace and that mercy and that love and that kind of just shocking truth about ourselves and what we need to deal with, we'll get eaten alive. Let's go. I'm on board. You got me fired up. Let's do it. I'm going to punch a wall or something. No, um, you're exactly right. Especially put it in the context of Lent. Um, you know, we have this notion, I think, that Lent is just this time of penance and mortification in and of itself. And then kind of when it's done, then we feast. No, the idea is that it's supposed to be preparing us, mm-hmm. uh, preparing us for the, for the, for the, for the, for to get even greater into the, into the battle. And, and you're right. And not just the dark forces exteriorly, um, which obviously that exists, uh, more than anything, it's the dark forces inside of ourselves, our own fallen nature, our own vices and, and imperfections, um, you know, our war with the, the spirits and the principalities and, and whatnot, as it says in the scriptures. Um, yeah, Mother Cabrini faced that something fierce when she was, not to give away too much of, of, of the film, but this is uh, part of her story. And which makes her such an underdog is even at a young age, she was she was told she was gonna die when she was around twelve years old. Um, she had gotten smallpox and that compromised her health and her immune system. And then she got tuberculosis and almost did not recover from that. And then she had all these post tuberculosis syndrome, including uh, compromising of her lungs so that she couldn't breathe very very well. And then fell into a river and almost drowned. And she writes that she was at the moment where she'd already taken her last breath and kind of quote unquote out of nowhere, this, uh, this, uh, hand of a man came into the water and pulled her out. Um, this farmer who just happened to see her drowning in this river. Um, and from then on, she was told she she couldn't sustain her life. Uh, she was going to die and, um, I'll give something away, but she lived a very, very long time after that. <laughs> yeah, and, she did a lot of great things that most men yes. couldn't do half of what she did in a lifetime, right? Yeah, there's a quote at the end of the film that she uh, she built the largest charitable empire the world had ever known. Um, it was greater than anything that the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts had built combined. I mean, it's just wow. un- unbelievable. And, and no one knows her name. She affected millions of people. And no one knows her name nowadays. I mean, I mean, no one, uh, uh-uh. obviously, hyperbolically. And uh, she's not she's not a very known saint. And that, that was what inspired us to try to make a film to shine a light on her life so that her light can shine on everyone else's lives. You know, isn't that what the devil does, though? He wants to hide our victories and the ways that we have defeated him. And just like Mother Caprini, he's like, OK, well, you won that battle, but I'm going to bury you now in the world. And no yeah. one's going to know about what how you have defeated me. So I'm going to bury you as far deep, as far as it can go. And even though you have shrines and things all over, you will be forgotten. And God yeah. said no. And yeah. it's uh-huh. so unbelievable that he took men to go out and seek her again. And the obedience yeah. that you listened. And here she is again. And she, I feel like, is going to come out in such a great, fierce way. And the people that see this, especially women, I'm calling you to go see this movie. It is transformative. It really is. And you just feel a little bit stronger and just, I can do this. I can do anything with God. Because if yeah. this woman went up against what she did and the great things that she did, I can do anything now too, you know, and I've really been thinking about and praying to Mother Cabrini. And it's so funny because a couple weeks before I even saw that movie, I was at her shrine. And now when I go back to Denver, oh, it's going to be so different. I'm like straight (laughs) up going to her shrine again (laughs) and I'm going to walk there. It'll be just so different for me because Leo, thank you. You brought this saint alive again in my own personal life and journey and she wasn't there even though I grew up with her right that's beautiful that was that was the hope and so I think mission accomplished so far on this film there's a quote that we put into the film that was straight from her it was when she was with Pope Leo the 13th 
<laughs> she, she got an audience because she kept pestering and pestering and pestering because she felt that God was calling her to actually be a missionary. And she, she had done such a good job building um, orphanages and schools in her local uh, diocese in Codonio that the bishops there didn't want her to leave. And so they kept blocking her and she mm. found a way to just get to the Holy Father and got an audience with him. She kept threatening to write more and more letters. <laughs> and one of the cardinals just got upset. It was like, fine. So she went in and just connected with the Pope and gave her this vision. Now, at this time, there had never been an order of missionary women that weren't under the auspices and, and kind of authority of, of missionary priests. So this would have been the, what she was asking for was the first of its kind in church history. And so that's why the, all the cardinals were kind of against it. But the Pope, could, she convinced the Pope and the Pope actually convinced her she wanted to go to China. She named herself uh, Francis Xavier Cabrini after St. Francis Xavier. And she wanted to follow in his footsteps as a missionary to China. And just like kind of like Eduardo in a, wanted to leave Hollywood and go to the jungles of Brazil. Yeah. She wanted to leave, you know, the Italians and go to uh, to, to, to China because she thought that's where they're, they're most needed. And the Pope said, no, there's Italian immigrants in the U.S. that people don't know about that are suffering. He told her, go. Uh, she said to him at one point, the world is too small for what I intend to do. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't know if we were going to put that in the film or not. We thought, does that sound like it's a little too ambitious? Does that sound like it's crazy? Yeah, she was not only so right. The, first of all, the Pope said, go west, not east. If the world is too small, doesn't matter where you start, right? And, and you'll get there eventually, which, which she did. But we're thinking about this. And she didn't say the world of her time. And so oh. I think that this film might be an extension of that very prophecy of, uh, of getting, getting the film out to the world now. And this is the crazy part. Angel Studios, who was behind The Chosen, they did Sound of Freedom for us. They're distributing Cabrini, and it's going to be their first worldwide release on the same date and day. Like in the first couple of weeks, it's going to go throughout the entire world. So our prayer is that um, her prophecy of the world being too small wasn't just limited to her time, that this is a continuation of that. That was such an awesome moment. I was like, yeah, I was in my seat, like, yeah. It was so, it was so funny. And I was sitting next to Father Cruz and he's looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it was hilarious. Okay, we're going to take a quick break with our friends over at EWTN and we will be right back with more from Leo Severino. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me. Today, we have Leo Severino, and he is the director of the new upcoming film, Cabrini. And you may know producer. him. I'm oh. actually the, pro- the producer, Alejandro. Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. How did you get that role? Like, how did you even get into producing films? That's something I wanted to ask you. How did you get involved with Hollywood? Yes. Well, people don't even know what a producer does. A director kind of seems pretty obvious. You know, you're directing the camera, you're directing the actors. What does a producer do? Maybe I'll answer that first. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know what it was. So a producer is the is the the person who's in charge of the film from the beginning to the end, from all of Whoa. the uh, business, uh, physical production, contractual side. Right. The director directs the art. They're the visionary for what's happening in front of the camera and all the lighting and the costumes and, you know, the sets and those sorts of things. The producer gets everything in place for the director to make his vision uh, a reality. So, uh, you, you know, from acquiring the rights to overseeing the script, to hiring the writers, to normally hiring a director, in our case, Alejandro and myself and a lot of are all partners. So we do this together. And then uh, from then uh, raising the money, overseeing the budget, overseeing the schedule, and then actually um, managing the entire production. So, you know, if, if uh, the director wants a particular extra day to shoot this particular location, uh, the producer and the director will get together and figure out how to do that, right? Like I can give you this day, but the other piece of equipment that you want for tomorrow, we can't get it because uh, budget concerns or that sort of thing. And then at the end, you oversee all of the post-production and then all the way to the distribution and marketing. So the producer is kind of the guy who's the continuing force from, from A to Z on the film. And how, how I got into that was somewhat fortuitous, I think providential. Uh, and it's because I was working as an attorney 
first at a law firm and then at 20th Century Fox. And not as an attorney who, who's representing you know, the studios or the actors in court, but as it's called business affairs, and that's the person who does all the contracts. And every step of a production requires a contract. Uh, you have to contract for the rights, you have to contract the actors, you have to contract for the equipment, you need rental agreements, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of learn production that way. So a lot of producers, actually their background is either in accounting, which is every step of the way, or in the business affairs legal side, which is the contractual side. And it's an easy jump from there to either try to become an executive at a studio or to become a producer. And that's how I, I got into it was I was at 20th Century Fox, I was doing business affairs and like I said, I was going through the kind of this crisis of wanting to, to live my faith in a more integral way. And I was at, at daily mass on, on, on some Wednesday and in walked Eduardo Varasigui to that same mass and we connected there and that was kind of it. So basically, you're like the ringmaster of the film and you lay <laughs> yes. the foundation out. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. Yes. So when did you actually have that? encounter with Jesus, if you don't mind me asking, because there's, it's in our heads, right? And like, I was a cradle Catholic and it was always in my head. It was there. It was always in the back of my mind, but there was this pivotal moment in my life where it went from my head to my heart. And I really was able to encounter Jesus and have that relationship and know he's real in the Eucharist and that my faith is everything. And they say that the the hardest, most rigorous journey on earth that people are going to take is going to be that journey from their head to their heart in their relationship with God. Well, um, mine was a little bit different. I, I think the, the biggest journey was in my head. Mm. Um, so I think God had to get my head first before he can get my heart. Because uh, And once he got my head, the heart kind of followed. Um, so what happened to me was I was studying philosophy and a lot of modern philosophy, which will definitely mess you up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was I was steep into that. I had grown up Catholic, but it didn't really mean much to me. It was cultural. My parents are Colombian. My entire heritage is Italian uh, before then. Wow. So we were culturally Catholic, but uh, I, I didn't know much about the faith. I didn't, you know, it just meant going to mass on Sundays, which I didn't understand and squeezing my brother's hand really hard during the art father to try to make him squeal. That was, that was kind my of my boys ex- do that all the time. I'm like knock yes. it off. Oh, it's, 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 it's in our nature. Uh, the, even if you tell them to knock it off, believe me, it's going to take grace for them to stop. Yeah, but, um, but, uh, so I started studying philosophy and then quickly had uh, no faith. I was kind of figured not everything can't come from nothing. So I figured there's some sort of God, but it, it didn't really have sadly a, a role in my life. And I was studying in England at the time and I providentially stumbled upon a, a, a book by the author C.S. Lewis. Um, most people might know him from the Chronicles of Narnia or the great divorce screw tape letters, but he actually wrote uh, theology as well. And I picked up the book called the problem of pain. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget at the back of the book, said, if God is all-powerful, he can do whatever he wants. If God is all-loving, he doesn't want anyone to suffer, yet there is suffering in the world. So either God is not all-powerful, he is not all-loving, or he doesn't exist. It's kind of thus the problem of pain. And I thought, well, that's an interesting kind of mental exercise. Let's mm-hmm. presume God does exist, and let's presume this. It seems like that's a, that's an unanswerable objection. So I thought this book was going to kind of go against the existence of God or, or you know, make a big objection, and it piqued my interest. So I bought the book. I started reading it at seven in the evening and I finished it at seven in the morning. Oh my gosh, (laughs) you couldn't put it down. It was like the Holy Spirit is with you, huh? Uh, Well, it was tears and and self-examination and thinking here, I I thought I I knew so much and I knew so little. And and what it gave me was a path to, to reason the faith, that, that faith seeks understanding, that, uh, uh, that truth, uh, as it is in reality is not opposed to truth as it is revealed. And so, uh, and I didn't know that I I thought faith was kind of blind that, you know, you just kind of believe and that's kind of it. You have this warm fuzzy in your heart and, and that's it. Or you have some sort of experience, you know, like the skies open up and an angel, you know, speaks to you or something like that. Uh, I didn't know you could just actually reason this statement through. I didn't know that there was proofs of the existence of God that are very, very compelling and very, very logical. Some of them deductively sound. I didn't know that you can reason your way into uh, human purpose 
and into, you know, the, the virtues and the natural law and all that sort of stuff. And once that opened up, it was like, whoa, kind of the floodgates opened. And, um, and that was the path that, that, that got me to start taking my faith a little more seriously. And I'm so grateful for it. And now it translates into your work and helping people all over the world. And I truly believe this movie that is coming out is going to help people all over the world and especially just women and even some of them slowly helping them recognize their dignity again, their worth and their value, because that was such a thread throughout the movie. And I know what it's like to be unloved and cast aside and put down and worked against and not being supported. And you have to have that grit and trust and faith in God that he's going to pick you up when you get back up and you fight and he's going to get you through. And that that just un deniable, unshakable trust that Cabrini had. Oh, I have such love and much respect now. She's like, and honestly, she reminded me of Mother Angelica. (laughs) She just kept on and kept on. And she, all she cared about is what Jesus wanted and his will in her life. And I keep saying it, Leo, I keep saying it. The saints, there is not one saint out there that cared what people thought of them. All they cared about is what God thought. And that was it. And they just kept on going. Is that not true? Absolutely. Well, two things to say. Remind me about about Mother Angelica. But before then, um, when you were talking about feeling like there, there wasn't a, a dignity in, and, and this feeling of kind of being rejected. Now, imagine at the time in the 1800s at Five Points, which is in, <sighs> in southern Manhattan, there was millions of Italian immigrants crammed into these tenements. We tried to replicate replicate that as best we could. We shot in, in Buffalo and took a kind of three square uh, block area that used to be an abandoned train depot that had all these 1800 buildings and we turned it into five points. But all these millions of people crammed into this area um, and that's where Cabrini, and just in extreme poverty, and that's where Cabrini was dropped and kids were trafficked, um, kids were orphaned and there's a storyline in our film that was based on a true event. Uh, the first night that they stayed there. The priest didn't pick them up. So they wound up staying at a place that, that doubled as a brothel. And so in our story, she, uh, there's, there's hints of the fact that she befriended some of those prostitutes that were there and then gave them, um, their dignity and Mm -hmm. got them out of, got them out of that. And so there's a storyline in our film that's very powerful that has to do with, 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 with that concept. Um, but yeah, she, she definitely reminds uh, me of Mother Angelica, but there's a little known story that's pretty powerful as well in that vein, and that is this. Mother Cabrini was canonized in 1946. There was a young nun that went to that canonization because she was so inspired by Mother Cabrini. She was a nun that was part of the Loretto Nun of Orders, a teaching order, and a few months after that, she left her order, and she started an order of missionaries in the uh, vein of Mother Cabrini, following her footsteps. Well, that nun, her name is Mother Teresa. Mm, wow. So most people don't know that Mother Teresa was inspired by Mother Cabrini to start her order in the way that she did. Oh, you can see it with with just that thread of helping the people and underprivileged and the forgotten and all those people that just needed that dignity and that love that, that they were denied. And she went out there and she said, I'll give it to you. I'll take care of you. I will love you for Jesus. I will do this. And Mother Cabrini, oh my gosh, it was so powerful, Leo, when she went. I mean, she went to the devil's den and poked him when she went in the sewers and got those children. And I did not realize that was part of her story. But how brave she was and her courage and the biggest and strongest of men wouldn't go near that. And she just went right down into that pit and she got those children. And she's like, you can't have them. You cannot have them. And I'm going to take them. And it was just it was such a powerful, pivotal moment in the movie. And that when God asks us to do something, it doesn't matter what obstacles are in our way or what kind of evil that we face, that we'll get through on the other side. And that's going to be the that's end it. because God wills it. That's it. Well, particularly for 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 your audience, given, uh, given what you're doing here uh, for women, it's the, there was a there was a telling part of of Mother Cabrini. Um, and that is the quotes around her. And there was one from a bishop that's in the, uh, in the records uh, for her canonization where he said, Mother Cabrini said, she's the strongest man I know. And he, he of course, was being tongue-in-cheek as a different time. Yeah. But it's this notion that that sort of strength, that sort of determination, that sort of unwavering, unfaltering um, drive to do the right thing 
was always seen as, as somewhat a masculine trait. And Mother mm-hmm. Cabrini turned that on its head and said, no, 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 there's a, there's a strength in women and any, anyone who's, who's, who's married and, and particularly has kids just knows the strength of, of my wife in particular. I know firsthand of, of just birthing and rearing children it requires such indomitable strength uh, and it's such a beautiful thing. And it's so very feminine. Um, mm. So there, there's something there I think that's worthy of, uh, of, of, uh, of viewing in the film. You know, I call that mom strong. That's my thing. When I was like going through it and I was in the thick and the brambles of motherhood, right? Mm. <laughs> I literally was like, I need to be mom strong right now. I can do this. God gave me everything I need to be mom strong. And there's also <laughs> a spiritual mom strong that I saw in her that I thought was just beautiful to love those kids and and to go to those places and clean the filth off, to give them their dignity, to take care of them. And she suffered so much, but she was such a spiritual powerhouse because of that. And sometimes God gives us that suffering that just won't go away because he's using it to fuel your spirit. He's using it to make you spiritually strong and equipped you spiritually with all the weapons. And he's fortifying us in that suffering that's hurting us almost at the same time. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It reminds me of, uh, of a quote from, from, uh, in C.S. Lewis, that very book, the problem of pain, um, where he says something like, and I'm sure I'll butcher it, but it's something like God whispers to us in our pleasures he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts at us in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world or something like that. All right. And I think that's right. Uh, often it's pain, of course, is a terrible instrument, but it also tells us something's wrong. Um, there's an there's a analogy I heard once of, of how love often inf- wants to inflict pain on, on the object of its love. And that's actually part of love. Right, so if my daughter, whom I love something fierce, my little five-year-old has a toothache, right, and she has a cavity, I'm going to take her to the dentist, and she's going to hate it, and they're going to inflict pain. They're going to put a needle in her mouth, and they're going to they're going to uh, you know drill down. But it's because I love her that I'm exposing her to this pain because it's for the greater good. Um, and uh, it's that's a, I think that's a, uh, that was something that really struck me um, about the love of God. Uh, and his relationship to us that really touched me and, and, and not only intellectually, but at the level of the heart really wanted me to take my faith more seriously. Right. God's love really is transformative. It really transforms you as a person and who you are. And and it's it. there's nothing like it, no matter what drugs, money, fame. I mean, everything the world has to offer. There is nothing like experiencing that transformative love of God. And you were able to put that in a movie and on a screen and actually portray it, Leo. I will say that's what I got out of that. It's just Thanks for the God. transformative. How did you pick the actors in this movie? I love the woman that played Mother Cabrini. I want to meet her. <laughs> it's awesome. She was <laughs> yeah. so strong and unbelievable. How did you pick the actors? Well, we have a casting director and it's mostly the job of the director. He had the vision for it also. You know, he's the one that chose John Lithgow and David Morrison, these incredible actors that did this film. It was a beautiful thing. Um, and they were inspired in, in no small part because the entire film is being done as a as a non-for-profit. Um, so, wow. you know, none, none of the actors, none of the producers, directors, none of us are, are making money off of this film. We're doing it, you know, kind of uh, to, to because it needs to be done, but also to, to uh, help all these different uh, beautiful Catholic charities uh, and other charities that are that are going to be benefiting from this film. But uh, when it comes to the actress, we're we're going down kind of the normal Hollywood path. We're talking to uh, a lot of these starlets, some of this, uh, many of which you would know by name. Um, one in particular, we were already you know getting ready to start working on contracts for her to to star in the film. But it was the casting director who came to us and said, you know what, you guys really need to go Italian. And our executive producer, who I mentioned, Eustace Wolfington, uh, he, he's friends with Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese in the 1970s was going to do a film about Mother Cabrini. Loretta Young was going to star. He had a script. He had everything ready. never got done. Wow. And Eustace said, can we get that script? He said, ah, it doesn't exist anymore. He's like, but I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Get an Italian to play Mother Cabrini. Mm. And um, both those things kind of happened at the same time. And so uh, 
we, th- we felt that as a sign, and I think it worked out because we found, we started casting in Italy. We found Christiana Delana. She was, she's, she was very well known in Italy. She had uh, been the head of another, of a previous series for HBO called Gamora, where she played a mob boss. Um, I so can see that. From, okay, I can yeah, see that. <laughs> she, she, but she went from both kind of extremes of the Italian situation, you know, from there to Mother Cabrini. And uh, I thought her performance, I think her performance is just unbelievable. Yes, I would say it was. And and it really kind of penetrates that like, OK, what's this about? Another like because sometimes you see state movies and it's just like, oh, this was real. I felt like this was real and it touched things even going on in my life or things I've experienced in my past. You know, yeah. it, it just was real. And I love that. When is this movie coming out and how where can people find it? Just just tell us all about the movie, you and all the good information. Well, first, thank you for saying that the movie felt real, real because that was our hope. We didn't want to make something that was saccharine. We, we wanted thank to make you. something yes. that was that was high level art. Um, and, I, and I think the film, the cinematography, Gorka is our cinematographer, Gorka Gomez Andrew, and Alejandro, our director. They just brought something to life that's visually stunning. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. It sounds like a cliche, but I think you could pause the film anywhere, print that, and you've got a painting that you could put up in your wall. It's just so stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is coming out March eighth, and it's coming out globally. And the reason we're doing it globally on that date is because that is actually International Women's Day, and this is our attempt to kind of plant our flag on that date and show an example of incredible uh, uh, femininity and true authentic womanhood in Mother Cabrini. That's just perfect. Look at how it all just kind of came together, right? Angel Studios, the people behind The Chosen and Sound of Freedom with us um, are distributing it. And so it's going to be in theaters everywhere. But in fact, they are so awesome that they, they have a system where you can buy tickets even now. They also have a pay it forward system where you can buy tickets for other people that might not be able to see the film uh, to be able to see the film. And they, they offer tickets for free. So you can either purchase tickets. It's at angel.com slash Cabrini or just go to angel.com on the front page. Or you can buy tickets for others. Or if you can't afford or for whatever reason, um, you know, you're not into supporting theaters or something. I don't know. You can get tickets for free. Uh, we want the, the point is to have as many people see this film to get her known. That, that's kind of our, our mission is uh, we have a little slogan. She's one of our own. Let's make her known. Oh, I Uh, love it. She's just so unknown. Uh, So yes, angel.com for tickets, please. Excellent. Leo, thank you again for all that you're doing. Um, And just... I'll be praying for you and all that you're doing for women right now. It's it's just beautiful. And I love that it's a team of men heading it up. I just love that. (laughs) Helping and supporting this one because you know what? It goes hand in hand. It's not one or the other uh, dominant sex. It's we when we work together and we're not beating each other down in our own way, in our own ego, in our own pride. You can do some serious, great things for God. And this is just an example of one of those things, right? So thank yeah, you. No thank you for what you're doing. And no, um, all people out there, I have seen this movie. And and I'm telling you, it is it is something else. And it is worth your time and your money and inviting your family members uh, to go see it. So thank you for all that you do. And no, we'll be praying for you. Thank you, Kristalina. Thank you for all you do. Please, my, my love and regards to Jason as well. And, and I want it to be known, by the way. That it's not just a bunch of men, right? There's plenty. Our executive producers are, are, are women, our costume designers, the people that are heading our marketing, so on and so forth. So it's really a, an effort that's um, that's that's broad uh, and wide, and uh, it's just the uniting force is the spirit of getting Mother Community known. Thank you so much for everything you do as well, Christina. I appreciate it. God bless you. Likewise. thank my guest again leo for being here what an amazing inspiring movie really i encourage all of you out there to go see this movie i got a group of women from my church in the book group that i belong to and we're all gonna just caravan down there next friday so get your aunts or get your friends or your mom just go see a movie And do something for yourself that is really going to inspire you, that is going to help you want to truly just step in to what God created you to be. And whatever struggles, whatever blocks are in your way to do that, this movie truly will inspire you. And it absolutely inspired me because if Mother Cabrini 
didn't overcome the challenges that she was just constantly faced with and didn't step into her role and become the saint that she was and that she is, she wouldn't have done half and helped half of the people around the world. And so you matter. What you do today matters. What God created you to be matters. And don't take it lightly, but go. I invite you to go see this movie. If you want to get tickets, you can go to angel.com. And there's a gorgeous picture of Mother Cabrini right there. And I love the quote they have under her name. It says, the world is too small for what I intend to do. And isn't that the truth? And if we all had faith like that, our world would change overnight. So I encourage you to go see this movie, take friends, take family, and if your daughters are age appropriate, to bring them as well. It is an excellent role model for them to have, and I really think she is going to be a saint of our times to help us with all of this darkness and challenges and just everything going on right now. It's just such an inspiring story. And this also will be in my bio, the link to where you can get tickets. And I'll also have it in my stories on my Instagram. So you can go there. Don't forget today's Saturday. And always that reminder, go to confession. God is with you. And I am going to leave you with the treat of listening and having the trailer of the Cabrini movie. So have a wonderful Saturday, everyone. And God bless. I was told that you were rejected by three different orders, each time for weakness of constitution. Your Holiness, we can serve our weakness or we can serve our purpose, not both. My sisters, if we are to build an empire of hope, it seems we must first conquer New York. In America, the greatest nation on earth, rats have it better than the children of five points. It's not safe. Not for you. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. <laughs> Doctors tell me five years. Five would be a miracle. In that case, I should not over you. I need an orphanage with more room, where my children can be children. I'd like you to keep your crime and your filth out of this neighborhood. The mayor will find a way to get you out. You have an election coming up, do you not? I believe I'm being threatened by a nun. You have swatted the hornet's nest. Get out, Jaggles! Go! I hold the best hospital for your people and for mine. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. This project is overly ambitious, perhaps unrealistic. We are old or we die. This is how I learned to live in America. Cabrini, you would have made an excellent man. 